You're listening to Health Call Live, the area's only live local interactive radio hour devoted to you and your health. Watch the video live stream on the Health Call Facebook page and call us with your questions at 447-1190 or toll free at 800-333-1190. Here's your host, health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. Good morning. Great to be with you again. Thank you so much for tuning in, making us a regular part of your weekend. Hope you're feeling well today, feeling great, bright-spirited, because that's not how many people start their day. One out of five Americans today are taking some form of antidepressant medication. And, and you've heard of these drugs. Uh, Selexa, Zoloft, Prozac, Lexapro, they're all familiar names. Well, here's two more, Effexor and Wellbutrin. These drugs play a key role in the story of today's first guest and the story she tells in her new book called May Cause Side Effects. Brooke Seam tells the story of withdrawal from antidepressants after 15 years of daily use. It's a journey she says many others are struggling through. Now, I've never taken any of these meds. I don't know how they make you feel. So that's where I started the conversation with Brooke Seam, an award-winning writer, uh, TV chef, and now author of a memoir on antidepressant withdrawal. I asked her to help us understand how these drugs make you feel, think, and react differently. You know, for me, I, I think that there was a real... There's a real narrative that people feel numb on these drugs and that they blunt emotional experiences. And that's certainly true, I think, to an extent. But I think for me, what I've realized now in coming off these drugs, how much I simply wasn't in my body. I simply wasn't home. I was so disconnected from everyone around me and from my own wants and needs. I, f I feel like sometimes we don't talk too much about that. We think it just numbs the edges, but I do think it actually makes us more disconnected from who we are, what we need in the community. So you started taking these meds at age 15 after the death of your father and were on them for 15 years thereafter. So you're about 30 years old. And then what's the process? How did you decide now's the time to step off these drugs? Yeah, for me, like you said, I was, I was standing at my window, my 30th story. Manhattan window staring down at the sidewalk and thinking about how long it would take to hit the ground. And what I realized was that that was not a thought that I should be having if the antidepressants were working. And that thought led to another thought, which was that I realized I had spent more than half my life and my entire adult life on these drugs, which meant that I didn't have a single unmedicated moment. And I started to question if my whole life was basically a lie because I didn't know if I would have made the same choices had, had I not been put on these drugs when I was so young. So at the same time, I also got this opportunity to travel around the world for a year. And I realized that I had to take that opportunity to travel and I couldn't do it while medicated. Literally, I could not take suitcases full of drugs with me to the places I was going. And also, you know, emotionally, it was time for me to figure out my baseline. So I saw a psychiatrist like we're all told to do. And that's actually really when things went quite south for me was after I saw her and she gave me some bad advice to stop one of my drugs cold turkey. And I was plunged into very serious antidepressant withdrawal very fast. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that. Uh, you wrote that uh, you had an intolerable sensitivity to light sound rage so strong. I bent a metal ironing board in half graphic homicidal visions. That's terrifying. 
How long did that go on? It was. I was in severe withdrawal for about a year. All of those symptoms that I listed there ebbed and flowed and would come in different intensities at different times or sometimes all at once. Um, the, the, the frustration was, is that at the time I was on the lowest dose of one of the drugs I was on. And so my psychiatrist said, you know, I can't prescribe a lower dose for you. So you just have to stop cold turkey. And this was 2016. And the literature was very scant at the time. We're lucky to have a lot more now. But that that advice meant that I, I had no way to gently, gradually taper off these drugs. And so when that when those drugs were so suddenly pulled off out of my body, that's when, you know, everything just went haywire because they, these drugs affect your whole system. And so that's why I had these withdrawal effects. Uh, hopefully today, and I hope what my book helps do is uh, inform practitioners and patients more about a slow taper and that there are ways to taper down your drugs, even if you're on the lowest dose available in the market. And I wish I had had that advice at the time. And if I had, I probably wouldn't have had to write the book. But because I didn't, we now know what, what can happen. And I hope that this helps. I, I just heard a, a Harvard psychologist, psychiatrist, actually, uh, the other day <laughs> say that only 10% of patients actually receive effective benefit from these meds. What have you I believe heard? that was Irving Kirsch and it's 15%. Yeah. 15%. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 15. So is that what you're hearing when you're talking to people? I'm sure folks who are going through the same thing have just come out of the woodwork with your book. What are you hearing? Oh gosh, yes. I obviously, you know, the, the people who come to me are in pain. They've had bad experiences. And so my, my view is probably a little skewed from that perspective. But, you know, if you, if you have a group of, you know, 20 people in a room and you ask everyone, do you, are you or someone you know on antidepressants? Everyone raises their hand, right? And then if you say, okay, uh, are you or someone you know who's taking antidepressants also still depressed? The hands stay up. When we know now it's been roughly 50 years since antidepressants started coming onto the market, roughly 30 years since the late 80s, early 90s, when modern antidepressants like Prozac, et cetera, have been used. And during that time, all we're seeing is an increase in suicidal rates, an increase in disability because of mental health issues, uh, and a culture that is clearly not doing well. So my perspective on the matter is if these drugs were working as advertised for the majority of people, we would not be worse off than we are now. Now, that's not to say that for a percentage of people, and as the research shows, it's roughly 15%, these drugs can be very helpful, basically, clearly we're not doing well with the strategy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It seems that way. So, uh, you, you know, you're a pretty high performing individual. Not only have you now written you. two books, uh, you won yes. the, the food network, uh, cooking competition chopped while you were going through all of this craziness. Uh, you I went did. on this, yeah. this, this, you know, this year away working abroad. Mm -hmm. Would you have been all of those things if it wasn't for these medications? I mean, that's the million dollar question, right? I often spend a lot of time thinking about how my life would have been different had I not been medicated when I was a kid. And I don't have the answer and I never will. Uh, you know, as far as being able to win chopped while in withdrawal, you know, people, once I came, became public about that, people have a lot of questions about how I was able to do that. And I was a ballet dancer for most of my life. So I'm used to basically turning off the pain and performing. It's pretty much what I do best. So there was that aspect of it. I also got a little lucky on that day in the sense that I was having a better day overall than the day surrounding it. 
And I also did a ton of work with my counselor about getting through the pressure and the anxiety of being on chopped while I was in withdrawal. So it wasn't something that I just went into and totally winged it. I had done a ton of preparation, both practically for the event and then also uh, just emotionally and, and psychologically. So I think we can't discount the effort that I put in in order to make that happen. And if you're just joining us, that is Brooke Seam. She is the author of a new book called May Cause Side Effects. So just ahead, we talk about the violent thoughts that swept through her during her withdrawal and her message to people about these antidepressant medications and how to avoid all that trauma if you've decided to try life without them. We have a lot more to come, so I hope you'll stay tuned for more of the Health Call Radio Hour here on WoWo. You're listening to Health Call Live, your regular Saturday morning appointment with healthcare professionals, where treatment is always painless and there's never a copay. Here's your host, health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. Welcome back. Imagine you've been taking antidepressant drugs, Effexor and Wellbutrin, for 15 years, taking them every day. You started at age 15 and now you're 30. You're still considering suicide, you're feeling anxious, angry, and you wonder, who might you be without these drugs? Well, that's the story of Brooke Seam. She's the author of a new book called May Cause Side Effects. She details just how bad advice from a psychiatrist sent her down a very dark alley of withdrawal that included violent thoughts, and then how you can withdraw safely. Plus, she offers her life today as proof the brighter days can be ahead. I haven't taken a single prescription drug other than one like three-day course of antibiotics for a finger that got cut <laughs> in the past like six years. Wow. And so I I feel extremely grateful. Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing really well. I and no depression, no anxiety, yeah. none of that stuff. You, you know, nothing that's not unreasonable because I think the thing is like life throws a lot of things at us that we are naturally supposed to feel anxious about or things that we are supposed to be depressed about. You know, I just got out of a long-term relationship and that has brought out very classic signs of depression in the sense that I could go get a prescription if I wanted to tomorrow. But the reality is I just lost someone really important to me and it was an important relationship. I'm supposed to grieve that. I'm supposed to, you know, not feel perky all the time because of that. And I think it's so much healthier and so much better for me to actually experience these things. It, it honors it honors the experience to go through this. So, you know, I, I feel confident that I'm going to be able to manage this in, and for the rest of my life and just feel what I'm naturally supposed to feel. That is very encouraging for people who are on the fence right now and unhappy with the med mm -hmm. protocol they're on and, and want to know about options. Mm -hmm. What do you tell them about the first step? You had a terrible experience talking to your psychiatrist <laughs> about this. Yeah. And that's really the first step is you've got to get a team of people on board who support you and believe that you are whole and not broken. And I think that that is the key thing because if the people in your life, whether or not that's a spouse or a parent uh, or, you know, sibling, or your doctor really believe that you're broken and that you are so screwed up that you don't have the ability to heal yourself, then you pretty much have no chance to actually heal yourself when you're getting that input. So the first thing is to get a team of people around you who want to support your healing journey and support 
support potentially getting off of these drugs. The second thing is to make sure they're educated. You know, there's this is a fairly new area of research, but we've gotten a ton of great research that's come out over the past three, four years on polypharmacy or uh, tapering or something called hyperbolic tapering, which is a method of very slow controlled tapering that seems to generally be uh, the best way to go for most people. Um, so there needs to be a ton of research done to start. And that onus really needs to be on the, the individual to do that because doctors are simply not able to manage all the new research and all the new information that's coming at them. I think that that is a real thing that we need to recognize. You know, I don't think that most doctors are out there to screw their patients up. They got into the field to help people. Right. But the field has changed. The field is full of pressure and invoicing and managing insurance companies, which takes away time for doctors to actually become, you know, further educated about the medications and whatnot that they are actually prescribing. So the patient needs to come to the table and say, we need to work together on this. And the doctors need to be receptive to that. So go go back a second and just give me a few more uh, bullet points on this hyperbolic. Tell me that a phrase again. It's a new Uh, one for me. It's called hyperbolic tapering. And, you know, I'm I'm not a doctor. I'm not a researcher. So what I've learned about this has been through my own proactive education and talking with experts. It's a dose reduction method that ends up being in this hyperbolic curve, which means that you you, you go down very slowly. So, for example, let's say you're on 100 milligrams of something, then you would go down by 10 percent. So now you're at 90 and then the next cut would be 10 percent of 90. So now you're at 81 milligrams. And then from there, you subtract 8.1 milligrams and go down and then the math gets harder for me to do in my head. But the reason why this is challenging is, is one, it has to be very, the patient has to be very involved and, you know, communicate with the doctor and make sure that everyone's stable before making the next cut. But also, as we mentioned earlier, you can't get custom, uh, custom prescriptions from these pharmaceutical companies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the way to do this, you very often need to work with a local compound pharmacy. Um, And then for places that don't have compound pharmacies available, what happens is people end up actually dosing these drugs out themselves at home. And that can be a very risky thing to do if you don't know what you're doing. So Mm -hmm. that's why doctors really need to be working with their patients and they need to, you know, scour all the resources available to make sure you're not, you know, for example, some drugs you can't cut in half because it breaks the chemical release change, right? Right. Some drugs you can dissolve in water, some you can't. So, you know, so you just have to know what you're doing and that requires a huge amount of education and it's not easy. So somebody listening right now has been on these meds or is currently on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's, a, what's an indication that y- it's time for you to think about stepping off the meds? Mm-hmm. That's, that's got to be a tough question for people. You know, in my experience, when people talk to me about this, they they've already been thinking it right. I mean, if you know, there are there are people who are on these medications, these drugs who are very happy on them, and they have no desire to get get off them at all. The, the the thought has never entered their mind. And for those people, I say, keep doing you, you know, if that's you go for it. Then there are a lot of people who have have they wonder, are these drugs blunting their emotional experience? Are they doing anything at all? Are they still depressed despite these drugs and they don't know what to do? And I think the trap that I fell into that other people fall into is you think, well, 
If I've spent however many years on antidepressants and I'm still depressed, how much more depressed will I be without these drugs? Yeah. But there's a lot more going on there, right? Like we have we have data that talks about that these drugs become less efficacious over time, that there's something called tardive uh, dysphoria that basically just means persistent depression while on while on antidepressants, right? Mm -hmm. So I think if you're even just thinking about it at all, that's an indication that maybe it's time to start moving and towards uh, a different a different choice. So I I go talk to to my doctor about that. And and he (laughs) says, I'm not sure that's a good idea. That's what happened to you, right? Your doctors. That's what happened to me. I don't think that's a great idea. That's when I say you got to find another doctor and get a second opinion because you know, you are in charge of your own health and you know yourself better than any doctor ever will. So if you feel like this isn't working for you, you have got to go find someone who is going to support you and what's best for you. Otherwise, it's just never, ever going to work. Like, I wish I had gotten a second opinion, but I didn't even think to at the time. I just assumed my doctor knew what she was talking about. She just didn't. I have a lot more with Brooke in the video version of this interview. You'll find it on the Health Call website. You can go to healthcall.live. That's healthcall.live. Again, her book is called May Cause Side Effects. And of course, you'll find that at Amazon and all the usual places. Right now, there's a lot of interest in using not these antidepressant drugs, but psychedelic drugs to try and fight depression. Lots of uh, lots of research about that. And there are some opportunities that are now going to be available because laws are changing in some states. And we're going to explore all of that in the future. I don't know what you're doing right now, what you're up to today, but I hope you'll keep the radio handy because we're back in just a moment with a lot more of the Health Call Radio Hour right here on WoWo. Podcasts by Federated Media.